All right. And we're we're rolling. So I have here today two guys who don't need any introduction, but they're going to get brief ones anyway. We've got Anthony Magnabosco. We have Objectively Dan. Anthony and Dan both are in Texas, both humanists, skeptics, atheist guys uh, who are working to have more respectful and productive conversations with people about what they believe um, and maintaining that level of, of respect and kindness, regardless of their stance on any given claim. Uh, Anthony's been doing this for quite some time. Um, gosh, Anthony, was it like six, seven, eight years now you've been doing this? Yeah, I think since 2013, I started going out and having chats with people, and I don't ever see that stopping. Yeah. Maybe maybe the going out in public might stop a little bit, but <laughs> right. having, having chats with people about sensitive topics, I love it. Right. Yeah, I, I think I became aware of your work sometime around like 2015 and uh, been, a, been a fan ever since. And then Dan has been hosting Truth Wanted since 2018, which you can find uh, as, as one of the many excellent productions out of the atheist community of Austin. Um, so here we are, guys, on Friday the 13th. Are you freaked out? Are we are we superstitious? We? I almost <laughs> I forgot about it until you reminded I, me. So yeah, I'm right. right. I, I was reading this morning that some 40% of Americans consider themselves to be superstitious, and around 9% would say they are very superstitious and are actually they have experiences of anxiety on Friday the 13th, which happen mm. a couple times a year. Mm -hmm. Um, so I thought it was an interesting day for us to, uh, to be sitting down. I wasn't aware of it until this morning either. I got like a, like a, a, a Google alert thing. There, there was some story about like what to look out for on Friday the 13th. Well, you know, if I get tech issues when I film truth wanted later tonight, maybe we'll chalk it up to just being Friday the 13th. We'll, we'll know why. So right? yeah, See, yeah. That, that, that's a good example to point to when somebody say, well, why do you care? Why do you care what people believe? That's freaking why, because it upsets people. Our beliefs yeah. are so tied to our behaviors and how we interact with the world. Did you say 9%? 8%, Eight, 9% was the number that I saw this hmm. morning. I was looking at, there was a, a, a poll that had been done. This is like a USA Today article I was reading. Um, and uh, yeah, that's sad, right? You know, you got about a 10th of, of Americans feeling a little bit freaked out today when they probably probably don't need to be. It's sad, but it's understandable. Like I get, I can, I get it. Cause we see it with other beliefs that we hold. Right. All right. We get upset about things. We worry about it. And then, you know, religion, hell, you name it. Yep. Yeah. Well, I, I was really excited to get you guys on here to talk about a couple of things. One of them is, is what it means to be open-minded. And so Dan, uh, we talked about this a little bit before, you know, we started recording so you guys had a collision on a college campus. Collision is probably an ugly word for it. An encounter on a on a college campus. It depends on which side of the aisle you're sitting on. If you're a Christian, <laughs> it's a collision. Right. If you're right. an atheist. We, we actually did. Our cars crashed like after that interview. We've never discussed it. So there really was a collision. <laughs> no. no sorry. Uh, um, I'm it, trying my hand at jokes lately. Let's. Yeah. I mean, I, I think all of us. You know, I'm trying my hand at jokes lately, as if this is a new thing. It's I've TikTok. TikTok, is, ru is, TikTok is rubbing off on me a little bit. Are you That's guys on TikTok? Is that a thing for real? I am yeah. now. My TikTok is really. Yeah, it's not very good. <laughs> is it yours <laughs> or is it Truth Wanted? It's what? mine, objectively, Dan. Um, it's just me responding to some other people right now. Uh, but I hmm. like I watched. Um, this is a rant. Uh, you don't want me to get into this. No, but, like Christian TikTok and just like witch talk no. and just the whole. The whole shebang I, it drives me nuts. Just drives oh. me nuts because my, people... my TikTok algorithm is that's all it shows now is religious yeah, TikTok. I've ruined it for myself as well because <laughs> yeah. 
it's just like you can make a point in a minute and sound like the most profound, amazing person in the world. I was talking about this on Truth Wanted a few weeks ago. There's a guy that said, oh, we choose our parents. And he literally meant before we're born, before we're incarnated, we stand before a council, basically, and we say that we get to see parts of our lives with different parents and we choose our parents. Like he said this in a TikTok. Was there any, any justification present? Like, I mean, I don't know how you could. I mean, it takes why would you, why would you need that? that? Why would right. you need justification? Why, and right. there was like, I don't know how many likes, but way too many likes. Too many. Oh, <laughs> dude, I was way speaking, too many. <laughs> and speaking about emotion, like that's a huge part of these TikToks too. They have this very dramatic music. And yes. People will be sitting there with these longing looks on their face or. Uh, it's 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 it's, tiktok is the propaganda tool of the future tiktok was a mistake so it's here everything is here but here we are pretty brutal have you guys watched that that social media documentary that was making the rounds on netflix i haven't yeah everybody keeps telling me to watch it i might this weekend we'll see but yeah it's fairly unnerving watching that thing but Mm -hmm. um but one benefit of social media is that the video of, of of you dan talking to anthony spread um, I, I would urge anybody to go watch it. Well, I'll put the link in the, in the, uh, the description of this video. So for those who aren't familiar with what street epistemology is, Anthony, what would be your like very briefest Cliff's notes description of, of what it is that you go out and do? The very briefest might be something like listening very closely to a claim somebody makes uncover the main reasons why they think it's true and then figure out how they validated or verified that it's a good reason to support their level of confidence that it's true and doing it in a way where you're you're uh you're not making a person feel uncomfortable or defensive like truly listening to them to truly listening to them to figure out how did they get there and asking questions and and maybe resisting Putting your own opinion on it too early could uh, could be sometimes be problematic, but it's not like you should hold back your opinion or anything like that or your view. Mm-hmm. But it's really like listening to them. You know, d- tell me how you became convinced that this is true. Don't present it. And I see this a lot on TikTok too. People say like, "Well, read this book," or "All you have to do is do this, and you'll believe." And I, I usually say, "Well, no, I'm interested in how you became convinced that it's true." And that's pretty much what what street epistemology is. It's not debating or arguing, but it's actually dialoguing where you're mainly using questions. That's interesting. What you just said is an interesting point. I, I was I, I was on a, a show on Tuesday, and and we had a caller um, that did that. They asked me if I'd ever read anything by uh, by Gary Habermas, and I was like, "Well, that'll be it, man. If you just pick up a Gary Habermas book, then you're going to believe all yeah. the same things that I believe." Um, but without looking at the mechanics of it, of how they got to that belief. So, and I have to wonder, like, did they even read the book? What, what, was there something that they found compelling, or were they just told that this is the book that you give people who don't believe what you believe? Probably yeah. more the latter than the former, I would guess. But yeah, you don't know. Yeah, and there's there's sort of a group of those books. I mean, in in the United States, obviously, we we because we're sort of a a majority, you know, Christianity is what we encounter. Um, there's, there's books that I'm sure come to all of our minds right now that you hear tossed out. There's like, well, just read Lee Strobel or Josh McDowell or Ravi Zacharias or whatever, whatever the case may be. Um, and I remember when I was a kid, it was, it was C.S. Lewis. People would say, read mere Christianity, but a lot of them, like you said, had not actually read any of C.S. Lewis's stuff. They just knew that that's where you go if you're, you know, in trouble. And think about that though. What? Okay, so you're a teenager or whatever. You're being told to read this book for the answers to the questions that you have. So you're, 
you're going into it reading something with the expectation that it's going to answer your questions. Now, it doesn't always answer people's questions, but are you really approach, approaching that book, for example, you know, with an open mind? Right. You're kind of you're kind of already approaching it from a place of bias, more than likely. If if that's the only reason why you're reading it is because you you have some questions that need answered. Right. So, Dan, when when you encountered Anthony, I mean, people can watch the video for themselves. What I, I was saying to you before we started rolling <laughs> that for when I watched the video, it's it's very interesting to see. I mean, you are obviously open-minded and, and in the, in the video, you can see the wheels turning. You're taking the question seriously. Um, and I, and I wanted to talk to you about, you know, what it means when you guys are both talking to people about their, their claims, what it means to be open-minded in, mm -hmm. in this context of talking about beliefs and, and, and how often you encounter people who may think that they're pursuing truth or that they value truth, but that, that mind isn't quite open. And what it may take to get there. I know I'm putting a lot of, I'm throwing like 16 questions together. Yeah. Um, I would say, you know, coming from a Christian system of belief, there was nothing about Christianity that says what the conversation I had with Anthony really should be, uh, should have been happening. So like I, I was a part of a college ministry. I was actually in that video. I was on my way to a meeting uh, with my friend in the video and stuff. And like, we were evangelists. Like we went out and talked to other people. The conversation that we had wasn't supposed to be like a dialogue. I mean, we were taught to tell people the truth about Jesus. I mean, that was it. We, yeah, we already had the truth. There was no seeking. We have, we <laughs> like, th that's it. Right. Like we, we're supposed to give it to other people who were seeking. Oh, that's interesting. Did that, yeah. did that give you more confidence to talk to me? with that kind of mindset? I think so. I mean, uh, it's hard to, because when I look back at the video, I, well, first ago. of all, I've never watched all the way full even now today, because it's, it's a weird, I get weird dissidents looking at that because that's a different person than it is today, mm. I guess. But also like the mindset that I had, then is totally different from now too. I mean, like I, I can't speak for why other people believe or why other people you know, choose to be Christian or, or profess the way I did. But like, I wanted to be secure and have an attachment to a belief that was true. And if my belief wasn't true, or if there was something I could modify about it, because I was, I wasn't, I wasn't foolish. I knew that other Christians, other Christians believed in other things. You know, there were some differences there. I wanted to figure out what was true or what not, but I didn't think the whole God idea would fall apart. I thought maybe I'd become a different kind of Christian, but, hmm. um, you know, if I'm supposed to be evangelizing or if I'm supposed to be having conversations with people, why not talk to somebody like Anthony? Like, isn't right. that the whole point? And some people get turned off by that, but it's like, as an evangelist, you're supposed to talk to non-believers. So like, I, you know, I had this conversation with him and uh, I, as you can tell in the video, I quite enjoyed it. I had a good time. I smiles on my face. Um, and I would say that's with most people that have conversations with Anthony, but you know, uh, I think in a, another, I could see how other people could, could be turned off by a conversation like that. Cause it is kind of strange. You just have this guy on campus with a camera that's like not college aged, <laughs> just talking to college students. I could see how that would be weird, but oh, you know. me too. It's yeah. definitely weird. Uh, I, <laughs> yeah, it's weird standing out there trying to get somebody to talk to you about these things too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But like Anthony did a great job. He didn't make me feel uncomfortable about it. Um, 
he made me sincerely question my beliefs. He he admitted that he didn't feel the same way, and he gently pushed back without having a huge diatribe. You know, um, I remember I gave some definition of atheism that I would never give today. Sure. <laughs> that Anthony was like, ah, I, yeah, I don't personally ascribe to that. You know, and then just kind of moved on because he was focused on what I believed. It wasn't necessarily what he believed, and 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 I enjoyed that part of it too, because everybody likes talking about themselves, sure. <laughs> you know? So yeah. And you I've, even I've, asked me questions back in return too. Yeah. Like you wanted to know more about the whole de def definitional thing about atheism, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. It's been a while since I've watched that video myself. Yeah. Yeah. And so anyway, I guess to, I, I hope I answered all five of the questions. Yeah. Right. There, <laughs> no, it's, but. and then the follow-up is in the, in the immediate aftermath, I mean, you, you're talking about your beliefs being challenged mm -hmm. And there was a gap from my, in my understanding of from when that initial contact was to you following up later, I, I want to say via an email. Um, it was back when YouTube had a messenger system. <laughs> I was through. Okay. The internal so, message system of YouTube. Yeah. I think I've only gotten 20 messages in seven years on YouTube and, and one of them happened to be Dan's, I think. <laughs> yeah. So in that interim time, I mean, what was that erosion like when you when you the, the process of questioning your beliefs on your own after leaving Anthony and all of his annoying questions behind? Yeah, so I think you know um, it's easy to look at that situation and think, oh, Anthony was the initial catalyst. But if I was being completely honest with myself, I think I was already starting to kind of have doubts. But it's hard to know that because in the video, I said I was 100% certain. And that was a lie. I was not 100% certain. But in Christian circles, you're often just kind of taught to, you know, especially when you're having a conversation with non-believers, to put on your best face. Sure. On video. Like, yeah, to, especially on video. With I mean, a colleague too, right? I mean, if, yeah. yeah, and I'm, I'm a leader in, in my organization at this point. So it's like, of course I have to, you know, keep the faith. Like there's a reason why that's a phrase. Um, and so that, that was already kind of happening, but Anthony's conversation definitely was a stepping stone in that, I, you know, I, it would be too long to kind of go through all the details. Anthony, and I had a conversation about it on his channel to check, to, to check that out, to get the full story. But, you know, I guess the, the short of it is um, I went through kind of different phases of my Christian belief and I definitely, um, would have called myself a deconstructed Christian hmm. at one point. I maybe a Christian mystic is the label I would have used because I realized the only justification I had for my belief was through my experiences and not necessarily hmm. through any kind of historical or scientific or philosophical argument. Um, you know, I, th I think of, I, I think of the works of, um, uh, 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 of people like, like Kierkegaard, you know, who had this idea that faith was like the best thing you could have. Like, and, and you know, like taking the leap of faith as he called it was important because otherwise you just have existentialism. Otherwise, like you have no purpose, no meaning. You just end up with, well, really nihilism, not really existentialism. Cause yeah yeah Kierkegaard is Christian existentialist right but point is like it was just kind of a, a a very different version of Christianity that I grew up with but and eventually after considering it more watching YouTube atheists reading more material I realized I, why say that I'm a Christian if I really don't believe the same way that everybody else does anyway you know like if I really can't demonstrate the existence of a God or demonstrate 
the historical events of, you know, Jesus's life or anything, then what's the difference between me and a Muslim that can say the same thing about why they're a Muslim? And there's no reason for me to keep this belief anymore. So I, I had to just let it go and uh, also just start calling myself an atheist because that's what I was. It sounds like you, there was a transition where you went from valuing the experiences to caring a lot about, you know, sort of questioning why those experiences mattered to you so much. Yes. And I wonder, Anthony, in your experience, a thing I've been thinking about is, is it is it harder to get people to to really sincerely, seriously value truth? Or is it harder to get them to take that first sort of step toward openness to questioning their beliefs in the first place um, when you, in your experience, talking to them? And I mean, I know these things are related, mm -hmm. but these seem like subtle but important you know, distinctions. Um, I, well, I think most people do value truth because the way that they operate through life, they're, they're putting on their seatbelt in their car, filling their tank up with gas before a long trip, they're buying insurance. So they're navigating life as if they value truth. They're just making exceptions in certain cases when it comes to the beliefs that they hold. Right. So um, that's kind of tied to closed-mindedness, I suppose, That, but they're not closed-minded on everything. In fact, I was going to ask Dan, you said you were 100% and now you're, then you realize sort of after the fact that you weren't 100%. I'm, I'm wondering if I'd asked you, are you closed-minded on the idea that God is real or not? I'm curious what, how you would have answered that. If you would have admitted in front of your friend and on camera that you were open to, um, I don't know, changing your mind. W were you closed-minded as well? Were you locked in? That's an interesting question. I don't. I'm trying to think of what I would have said. That conversation happened five years ago now. Um, yeah. I, I, I guess I would have said, yes, I'm closed-minded to it. But I don't know if I could give a good reason why. I think I would, I, mm. it, being honest in saying I was closed-minded to it, I think the reality of that would be because I was taught to be closed-minded to it. Like, because the teaching is you can't have any kind of doubt you, you know, there is no other truth. You have the truth. This is it. You know, like that belief system doesn't allow any kind of uncertainty. Hmm. Um, so okay. yeah, I, but I can only say that now because I don't have those beliefs anymore. I, I may, I don't know yeah. what I would say in the moment. Sure. Sure. And, and to just to finish out your question, Kenneth, like yeah. I think, um, if somebody is closed minded on a certain topic, I might ask, you know, why are, why are you closed-minded on that topic instead of other topics? Or if there was somebody else who believed in a completely different God and they were just as closed-minded as you, what would you think about them? Certainly in your view, you think that they're mistaken and, and here they are, they're closed-minded. They're, they're not even willing to consider that they might be mistaken mm -hmm. and then maybe encourage them to sort of verbalize some of the pros and cons of taking that stance. And then that can actually help a person open up to just just a little bit, of, just a crack. Yeah. To mm -hmm. Like, okay, well, maybe I shouldn't be completely closed-minded. I think um, I notice this a lot, where particularly God believers, there there's a there's a very close link between closed-mindedness and conviction, and mm -hmm. it's noble, it's virtuous to be convicted in something, mm -hmm. but you're also admitting that you're it's virtuous to be closed-minded on something. I think I think those are very very closely linked, and disentangling them is very important. There's a video on my channel. It's, the guy's name is Gabriel. I'd be surprised if you didn't know him, Dan, but maybe maybe you do or don't. But I think I even sent you a message like, "Do you know this guy?" Yeah. <clears throat> That's what the whole conversation was. It was all about conviction and 
And I think by the end of it, he was kind of coming around to realize that, well, maybe saying I'm convicted on some things, especially if I'm if I'm still open-minded, that I could be mistaken, maybe th those just don't go hand in hand. It's interesting because, I mean, closed-mindedness has a, a negative connotation, but yeah. I, mean, I, I can think of a you know bunch of things that I'm completely closed-minded to, and I, I don't have any problem. I mean, I'm, I'm with regards to like me valuing you know, sort of the principles of, of secular humanism. I'm super close-minded. I, I, my mind is is really made up and I don't know what it would take to to nudge me off of my my 100%, you know, certainty with regards to uh, to valuing these things. It seems to me that 100% certainty in the videos of yours, I mean, I've seen dozens of your videos, Anthony. It seems the most common answer that you get when you ask people how, how sure they are about something. <laughs> Even when they're not 100%, seemingly. Right, right. It's an interesting thing. Um, yeah, I guess I have some, th I have some ideas as to why, I mean, uh, I've had people say I'm 90 or hundred percent sure. And then they say, um, well, I'll turn off the camera and then maybe they'll come up back up to me and give me a different answer. Or I've even had somebody like literally in the middle of an interview say, turn off the camera and I'll give you my true confidence level. Mm -hmm. So I think just knowing that maybe that they're being recorded, that they could be seen that, um, perhaps there's an expectation to give a higher number than that they, than, than they really are, which is, it's not really the end of the, of the, of the dialogue. You can still progress, even though somebody's misrepresenting their confidence, because that's, it's not really about that. It just kind of gives me a starting point as a questioner right, right. where to meet them. But it's so it doesn't, yeah, it just, I, I think that our society overvaluing certainty definitely undermines good epistemology, you know, just in a, in a practical sense, um, mm -hmm. which leads me into, I'm going to ask you guys uh, the, the, the questions that I'm trying to ask every, every guest that I have on here. So the first question would be if you, if you, and this is for both of you, if you were to identify a key feature of sound epistemology, what would it be? The way that I asked Eric Murphy, this question was if he could wave a magic wand and grant everybody one tool to have better epistemology, what, what would he give them? Yeah. I bet, I bet Dan and I would give the same answer to this. I, I, oh, okay. Because my answer is actually, I don't know. I, I think it's easier for me to tell you what a bad epistemology is rather than a good one, because there may be better epistemologies out there that I don't know. Um, mm. But I can certainly tell you the ones that don't work saying sure. something, saying you believe something based on faith and faith being a, a, an implicit trust, you know, uh, without reason or without evidence, then yeah, I'd say that's bad. Uh, I, I don't think you should have that for really anything um, except maybe your self, your sense of self-worth and maybe your sense of integrity um, because I mean, that's obviously important, but like, you know um, this idea of like a one sound epistemology, I think that's to say that, well, my method will get you the, the ultimate truth of everything. And I don't know, I don't know if I have that yet. I'm still a human being that's learning new things all the time. That's changing things all the time. I, I changed my religious views and I've changed a lot of other opinions in just these short five years. Who knows what else I'm going to change in the next five years? So I don't, I guess that's like what I'd say about that. It's interesting with your answer. I'm, I'm hearing, you know, because you, 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 you went to faith as being uh, sort of a, a, a great example of a bad epistemology. And then but if we invert that, maybe, I don't know, there's a lot of things that could be presented as an opposite of faith, but doubt seems to be something that well, I think you said evidence. 
Did evidence. you see? Do you see evidence as the as the opposite of faith? Well, I said like uh, if we're defining faith as believing in something despite reason or despite evidence, mm. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But like that, yeah, I guess that does imply. I do think having logical reasons or having evidence based reasons, you know, is a generally good way to know something or at least you know reasonably know something because you can argue about true knowledge and stuff like that see that's when you get into like the real deep discussions about epistemology that anthony and i really don't always have surprisingly enough when it comes to these sc conversations i don't know how many you've had in total anthony you know i I have people that call in about it but when it comes Mm -hmm. to actually applying street epistemology we're really just talking about pragmatic stuff yeah a lot of times Sometimes um, I wonder if that frustrates people who do know more of the academic usages of of words and the difference between belief and knowledge and justified mm-hmm. true belief. And right. sometimes, sometimes, I, sometimes I think people who are really well-versed in that side of it, they, um, they're they not terribly impressed by the, the layman's discussions. Like they may, might even get frustrated about it. But honestly, it doesn't, doesn't freaking matter. Because we're having profound conversations and helping people re-examine their views. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And ultimately, you know, sure, yeah, maybe yeah. maybe it's important to investigate those differences. I was going to say testing. I think mm. testing is one of the key features of a sound epistemology, like being able to independently test the claim or the evidence that you think that you have, I think is crucial. That That's the what I would say for my number one there. I love that. I love that. Uh, yeah. Talking to people about... I was trying to explain to someone the other day just what falsifiability is and why it's a useful concept. Yeah. And uh, and the, the interesting thing is, I mean, saying, you know, evidence is a good way to know things that are, you know, are, are true or you should be able to test. I mean, it sounds so basic. And like you said, Anthony, people do this in, in most areas of their lives reliably all the time. Um, but it, it, it seems to me that it's worth you know, emphasizing well, <laughs> the importance of these worth- concepts. Again, this is coming from the Christianity that I grew up with. Like, I was not taught the value of having an evidence-based belief system. You know, and I understand that's going to be different depending on your tradition. But, like, that wasn't a thing. I was taught you have to have faith. And if that's going to be your epistemology for your religious belief, what other uh, ways are you going to apply that in your life? And And I ended up using it for a lot of things uh unjustly so and i think a lot of people do people who aren't christian do that certainly so it's worth talking about when you guys look out at the world where do you where do you see bad epistemology manifesting most obviously like i mean i just that could be in the news that could be on twitter tiktok where- <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah that's suspicious that's weird yeah um yeah it's very it's it's rampant on social media um, but it happens on both sides. So I'm seeing stuff now where I'm, I'm hearing little rumblings that, uh, Biden wants to maybe do another shutdown. And I've seen people on the right point to that and say, as if like, that's a good reason to allow Trump to continue winning the election, even though like it's contested and all this stuff like, Hey, look and see what he wants to do. You don't want that to happen. Right. As if, like, that's a good reason, that's a good justification for allowing Trump to continue for another four years. Like, there's there's a lot of broken thinking that has emotion tied in, into it and all this tribalism. And that's what's going on. That It's this, 
the willingness to overlook the fact that you can't back up your claims because of all the advantages that come with adopting a view, adopting that same view and maintaining mm. it. That's that's one of the biggest challenges. That's I see. Yeah, like Dan said, like that's everywhere. Yeah, it's yeah, every it's everywhere, and it's so frustrating to see it. And yeah, I don't I, even know sometimes if people realize that they're doing it. I don't think so. I think, you know, I, I joke about Twitter and TikTok, and but like I, I genuinely think that's just a reflection of how people have always been, and we're just seeing it now because like the internet is a thing. You know, yeah. like we could we couldn't see that before. And the sources that we did see written from people were generally like if we're talking about going back to history, it was from published materials. It was from books <laughs> and yeah. letters and things yeah, that people took a lot more time in writing stuff out in rather than a tweet that takes you literally 45 seconds to write. So I, I think that's yeah. why we kind of see that effect and we're kind of like what the heck did everybody just turn dumb no i think everybody was always just kind of this way mm. <laughs> and uh it, it's just more expounded upon because everybody can publish now anybody can make an account and and curate something um you don't have to be particularly literate or have particular skills to do that i think um, that's spot on and it can gain traction the more crazy and ridiculous it is yes and and people tend to fall for it too because, um, well, hey, you should, he's got 10,000 subscribers, so it must be true. And then it's this weird cycle where that nonsense is getting yeah. propagated because or, it's fun yeah. to watch for a lot of people. It, it, this video is edited really good. Like this is a Netflix quality documentary. This pandemic thing must be really good. You know, like that's that's like they won't say that out loud, but that is the thought process. Yeah. I was, I was doing a, a call on show the other night and, and a guy called in who was talking about how COVID's a hoax and, you know, the Illuminati controls the world and it was getting really into some, some conspiracy stuff. And it's a much more exciting and interesting way to look at the world than, you know, just reading the news. I mean, the news is pretty boring mm -hmm. compared to the, the world that guy's living in. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. So, or the, or the idea that you got it all figured out and all these poor saps just don't have the truth. Right. That, that could be probably be another People thing. get a high off that. That's super attractive. Sure. On yeah. the religious side too. I, you know, no doubt. Oh yeah. And on I mean, the atheist you feel side. like you're like, in the club. Sure. That's even true. on the atheist side, I figured it out. I don't believe anymore. These poor saps. We all do well, it. We, we, we just have to be aware that we're doing it. That is a perfect lead into the next question, which is in your own lives, where do you see yourselves where does where does bad epistemology where does a failure of skepticism breakdowns of critical thinking happen in your own lives i mean I, I see it frequently but it's usually with family members who say something and it's not worth getting upset about like uh, i'm trying to think of a really good example i'm not coming up with one but you know let's say my daughter's away at school and she says that she needs something because it's going to help her improve at school better. Well, we just give it to her. We don't really question if it's going to really amplify her grade and how could we mm. test and measure that. So we just kind of go along with it on a lot of things. But but it, I do notice it now. I notice that we're doing it, but I'm also deciding not to really say anything because it's not really that big of a deal. But if I observe that we're continuously doing it and it's amplifying and so like you know, now we're deciding like the best place for her to go for her honeymoon or something. And the stakes are higher, you know, then I maybe more of my skepticism and the importance of it triggers something in me to step mm -hmm. in and, and start asking some questions. So I maybe just like, it's almost like with lying, you know, sometimes you, you notice that you're doing it or uh, people are doing, but it's almost like, you know, the lubrication that you need for society to kind of keep it going. 
but it reaches a tipping point to me at some point. I, I was talking to someone about this and sort of using a, an example. Lion's a great example. I, I was talking to someone about how I'm a, a, a New England Patriots fan and people bring up my team cheating and I don't care. I don't, I should, I should, it should bother me, but I can't like summon the appropriate emotional response. Everything about who I am as an ethical person just doesn't apply to this area of my life for no good reason. So <laughs> it's, um, now that's a fascinating example to use, like when you're doing some hypothetical questions with people. Yeah, yeah. that's interesting. What about you, Dan? Yeah, I, I'm trying to think about this question because it's so interesting. Um, I could say, I don't know, like my my life is just a series of figuring out bad epistemologies that I've been running on. You know, um, I mean, I could already talk about the Christianity thing. I think most people know about that. Um, but also trying to figure out. I guess just weird uh, stuff that I, I wouldn't think about. I like, 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 um, like, like technical stuff for my YouTube channel, for example, with truth wanted where I'm looking at the metrics and I'm thinking, Oh, if I'm going to have this guest on, I think this is going to give me like a certain number of subscribers. If we post this here, here and here, yeah. and then I post something that's like, Oh, that didn't work out at all. Mm. And it could be because, Oh, we actually didn't promote this as much as we should have, or, and maybe this didn't actually bring in the following that I did. And it's like, I, you know, we can, I mean, I guess this is how businesses make these kinds of decisions all the time when they're talking about what kind of products are going to sell better and stuff. And and I, I hate that kind of stuff because, you know, I, I want this to be just as free and as open as possible. But at the same time, I also know that, Hey, if I have a cool thumbnail, people will click on it more. And that's just a sad brute fact of humanity uh, that thumbnails will determine how, people watch your content but it's little stuff like that where it's like okay even though i might think this is the best thing ever there's some stuff i have to look at that other people have done that works that i should look at too just because i don't think my audience would take for that here's one like telling people hey be sure to like and subscribe mm. no youtuber likes saying be sure to like and subscribe do you know why they say that it's yeah. because statistically the ones that say like and subscribe get people that like and subscribe more yeah. Can you keep it's just saying it. it just for my little channel exactly. here to get some Well, it's like, yeah, yeah, it's, 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 no, it it's, feels gross. I know it's gross. Saying, yeah. I hate it, but it's like, well, <laughs> that's just, you know, statistically, that's just a, a question we can answer. Does doing this action get this response more? And yes, it does. So that, that's mm. what I think about, I guess. Hmm. Well, I wonder, are, are either of you like gear guys? Uh, I I am gear? super susceptible gear. Like like I'm susceptible to advertising of being like this. You know, golf club's gonna help me hit it straighter. Or these running shoes are gonna help me. You know, mm. take time off my 5K or whatever. And I, I find myself being very susceptible to those types of of claims and, and not evaluating them as critically. So again, I'm returning to mm. in my own life. Uh, I wonder if either of you guys are find that happening, you know, just with being assaulted on social media and through advertising to uh, wanting things for, for silly reasons. I'm so skeptical. I, I don't yeah. usually <laughs> like, just me. All right. <laughs> like uh, but, but here kind of going off that question, like I have family members that will watch an ad like that, like uh, the shoes that will make you jump two feet taller or mm -hmm. like, uh, like these, their shoes and they're really, do you ever see the ad? Like they bend them and the shoe pops up and it jumps like six the moon feet shoes. Down. I don't know what they're called. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen that, but I'll be damned if they didn't show up at my house in a box. And I'm thinking, come on. Yeah. What is, what is going on here? And I just, that, that kind of goes back to like, 
I roll my eyes, you know, it, it, okay, I notice it. It's really <laughs> probably not the best thing to fight about or bring up or discuss or analyze. And I just move on with my day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That happens in my house too, but I'm the one who ordered the movie. So, <laughs> really? um, so sort of as a, as a final point in uh, this line of questioning here, and it's fairly obvious in your work, I think, and I, I, I really hope people check it out, you know, I, like with Truth Wanted, which does have great thumbnails, you know, come for the thumbnails, stay for a great show. Um, how, how do you think we should communicate the importance of sound epistemology to people? Not just how to have better epistemology, but why it, why it matters so much. I think I think you it's just a matter of presentation. You know, we, we mm -hmm. kind of talked about this. Like if you're coming into and being didactic and you're saying like, okay, here's a one-on-one -on, -one on epistemology and here's the history of this philosophy, most people don't care, right. honestly. But you know what they do care about? Like exactly what I just talked about before is like, oh, how is this going to help me get this thing or something? You know, like being being pragmatic about this kind of stuff, knowing for sure um you know what you're believing what you're getting into that matters to people like christianity mattered to me because i was pretty invested in that um and i maybe some people don't like that the fact that they're being questioned about that at the time but how valuable is it to have that conversation i mean that is an example of a belief system that's going to affect a huge portion of what i do and anthony alluded to this at the very beginning, like beliefs matter. Beliefs affect everything that we do. So I think the smaller examples, just asking, hey, if I have a keys to a Ferrari here and I tell you that's my Ferrari, you know, should you believe it? Like just small examples, are, one are really fascinating, at least to me, but also are just like the perfect way to introduce people to concepts that they may not have thought about before. How do we think we should do it? I'm thinking... Well, I mean, my, my jam is sort of recording conversations where I'm trying to communicate the importance of a sound epistemology. So I'm a little biased on that question because uh, now, do I think going out and recording conversations with people where you're observing them revealing faulty epistemologies is the best way? I don't know. I, I think it's a pretty good way. I mean, a lot of people have been falling into street epistemology from observing interactions of people doing this. I remember after after the second time Dan and I met, we went out to lunch or something. And I, I hope you don't mind me revealing this. I think you asked me something like, um, who was that conversation really for, essentially? Was that mm. for me? Mm. Uh, and and I said, honestly, Dan, it, yes, it was for you. However, there was a larger goal of showing this to other people. And um, I never regretted telling you, being blunt and being honest with you and telling you that. Like, I think it's great that that conversation maybe, you know, helped you look at your views. But it's um, it's when people stumble across that video and then maybe start reflecting on their own. Like, what am I what am I concluding is true for faulty reasons and, and faulty epistemologies? Yeah. Like, if you were going out there hoping to turn people into atheist activists five years after you met them, like, then good luck. Right. That's I mean, that's just not going to happen with most people. But yeah, it's like you said, like you, you people who watch it might get something out of it. But also like people's lives do change after these conversations. And sometimes it's just in smaller ways. Mine was definitely much more dramatic. But um, you, you do follow ups with people a, a lot. And uh, every follow up I've seen, people have been like, oh, yeah, I thought about that conversation. <laughs> 
you know, like, and maybe they oh. don't immediately change it, but like they at least got value out of that conversation. Yeah. Don't I get me wrong. I don't think that the people that I'm speaking with don't value it or enjoy it or benefit mm -hmm. from it. Like that's, that's a plus, but there's a larger goal, I suppose, of demonstrating the technique, which is like, if I just wanted to go out and, 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 you know, help individual people, I can certainly do that and leave the cameras at home. Mm -hmm. like there's, right. there's a point to recording it. Right. Right. Well, and it's an interesting thing because I, I think that the, the you know, the, the, there's a lot of value in the work that both of you do. And I think that, I mean, there's, there is value in people in the skeptic community and the atheist community attacking like individual religious claims. Um, my perspective, the purpose of this whole channel that I'm doing is, is focusing on sort of the foundational tools that allow people to ask better questions. And I, I just think that the mm -hmm. work that both of you guys are doing is, uh, is great. Um, can we, uh, let's, let's, let's close out by, by letting people know what you're doing right now, where your focus is and, uh, and we can talk about where they can find you and links will be in the, in the description. Okay. Yeah, I'll go first. I guess uh, I'm a uh, host of truth wanted. It's a call in show that happens right now. Live uh, Fridays at 7 PM central. I'm going to be doing it after uh, this actually. Um, but uh, I'm also trying to do some personal projects. Sorry, Pico, my cat is just all over the place, but um, I just recently started streaming on Twitch. I'm going through a series on QAnon right now. I'm reading a book written by some QAnon followers and it is a doozy. Um, I'm also seeing if I can try to do some gaming stuff for fun, because why not? Um, but yeah, all of that um, it, you can find on my Twitter. It's at Objectively Dan, um, and that'll get you the links to the Twitch and everything else. So, And the next TikTok dance craze will be originating from Objectively I, Dan, maybe? I hope. I mean, I, if, yeah, if that's my, look, if my activism doesn't matter at the end of the day and I become known as the guy that just did the crazy dance craze on TikTok, I, I I'll die happy for sure. That's why, that's why not both, right? So it's a win-win yeah. if both happens. Anthony, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Anthony, what about you? I was gonna say, make sure you bring your cat, have your cat in some of those videos on TikTok. You'll probably get more views. Um, yeah, it's true. It's true. Listen, I got a shitload of stuff going on. Like, um, and and just a, I think it's really cool that that's one of your areas of focus, Kenneth. Is is trying to um, help people have more better conversations and communicate and get to the bottom of things. I think that's awesome. That's certainly in line with what I'm trying to do. Let's see. Um, well, there's a film that's uh, trying. We're trying to fund it. It's called When in Doubt, and I think it's like 25% funded. So if you like. If you like the idea of us promoting a possible solution to the to the mess that we're in, you might want to fund that movie. And then um, this whole conversation, I was not talking on behalf of the nonprofit that we have, uh, but I will do briefly here. Um, we have a nonprofit called Street Epistemology International, and we have people donating to that. And then we are turning those funds around and then giving, basically financially supporting people who want to help support or help promote this method. And then another third project that I've got going on is we're developing a course, a training course for people to self-study and learn this approach. So rather than reading a book or watching a video or going to some community where you're just, ran, you know, hopefully maybe running into somebody that hopefully knows what they're talking about, there's going to be a community-based and driven course that people can go through and take. Very cool. Very cool. Gosh. And, oh, and then how to reach me, just reach me on social media or TikTok or Twitter. Awesome. Awesome. Well, uh, thank you guys for being here. It really means a lot to me. I'm a, I'm a big fan of your guys' work. Um, 
and uh, you know, smash that like and subscribe button, right? That's what we right. that's what we do around here. Subscribe to his channel, please. Yeah, yes. Uh, hit hit the like and subscribe, and uh, yeah, we look forward to doing more of these in the future. Thanks again, guys. Thanks, Thanks for having again. us on.